It is everyone's favorite award show, the end of season combination of the Emmys, the Oscars, the ESPYs, the Razzies. It's the balance of power, end of year awards, the Boppies. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined by our panel and award presenters. You guys, the most awkward award presenting duo ever. It's Alicia Preston, our conservative commentator, analyst, and political consultant, and former two-term Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes. Well, guys, this is this is an annual tradition. What do they say in The Simpsons? It's it wasn't long before this yearly custom became an annual tradition, and we are back. Namaste, you guys. Oh yeah, okay. So Paul is referring to the fact that <laughs> this is a poll question to all of our listeners out there. If you saw a pair of socks on sale at the holiday season that said "Namaste, you guys" on them, would you immediately vomit and sue? the store owner for damages, or would you purchase them? Paul, you want to make the case for you would purchase them. Well, you know, what I said was, if you got them under your Hanukkah bush, then I would take them from you in an unmarked envelope. And I would probably wear them at least once. Purchase them? That's a whole other kettle of fish. No, thank you. Alicia, I assume as the conservative on the panel, you are against Namaste, you guys. I guess I don't care an answer. Oh, I've never no, you have to care. This is these are important but, things. All right. But speaking I don't of, oh <laughs> speaking of important things. What before we get into the categories, what stands out for you from 2023? What sort of like is on your mind when you think back to this year? I can't get over anything but Donald Trump. I mean, everything he says and does and his glorious Christmas message and his invoking of Hitler and Putin and hate and people cheering it on and not realizing this is a really bad book you guys are living in. And I just can't get over it. I mean, I, I wish I could come uh, yeah. up with something more funny, but I can't. No, I kind of agree. I mean, with all the disasters in the world, the globe heating up, accelerating global warming, Trump still stands out as the dominant, he's the dominant brain food of the all of us little fish and it's i wish it wasn't so i can't wait till it's not but it that's look a lot of people said he'd never be indicted he faces 91 criminal charges and that's you know that's kind of interesting in american history that's kind of interesting i think what stands out to me from this year if there's one thing that because here's the honest truth the trump stuff all blends together for me it's you know, I, I guess I will remember, you're right, I'll remember 2023 is the year that a former U.S. president got indicted for the first time, followed by the subsequent 90 times. But all of, like, Trump's insanity does kind of become a miasma of awfulness. The thing I'm going to remember most that's really going to stick with me is the article I read in The Atlantic that explains that we have not one nose, but two noses, and that we can control the amount of stuffiness in our nostrils through our armpits. These are all true things. I urge people to go read this. Atlantic you have article. too much time on your hands. You really you, do, bro. You really do, bro. You are finding stuff that nobody should. Nobody science. Should, nobody science, should know this. people. Science. This is this oh, is why science man. is amazing. But I'm going right. to spin off of what you just said on the thing to remember most of the year. What actually stands out most is what you just said, is that society has accepted the normalization of the behavior of Donald Trump and his sycophants. That is actually the worst part of all of this. Like the fact that it's blended together, the fact that every single piece doesn't stand out as extreme, the fact that this is just another, like, what do we call it? This week in Trump? 
That is the biggest thing that stands out, the normalization of this level of insanity. That's a great point. Uh, we were trying initially to be sort of meta and tongue in cheek mm -hmm. and make that point when we started doing that segment this week in Trump. But actually, we've gotten lulled into it, too. It's like we mm -hmm. can't we when we talk about what should we talk about this week before the show? And we go through the big news stories of the week and what cuts a little bit deeper and ties to other themes, et cetera. We always reach a moment, don't we, where we say like, well, there's this Trump story. And it's like, oh, we always do Trump. But it's always something that's like a new a new degree of awful. Um, you know, I, I just realized I think we should create a new board game. There, There's Dungeons and Dragons. I think what we should I think we've invented a new board game and it's called Demagogues and Dictators. And it's a political board game. And we can just try, you know, just think of the wonderful players we have for Demagogues and Dictators. We have Trump, we have Orban, we have Putin, we have Kim Jong-un. I mean, we've got the the stuff to make a brilliant board game. And that in and of itself expands my disgust with Donald Trump to the rest of the world. Well, you know, I think it's a million I, dollar I, idea. I think it's a million dollar idea. The problem is no one plays board games anymore, except for my family, because my family well, does. Alicia, oh, I'm sorry. You're old. You're well, old. It's all apps. That well, you do it as an app. I mean, it's a board game as, as an, an board game is an app. Demagogues and dictators. All right. It, it then, is. Clever. That is a million dollar idea. I, I do be, agree with Alicia. There'd That's... be cute. There'd be cute music and little Kim Jong-un on his little legs would go scurrying around on your screen. <laughs> Manga on. people do remind me of orcs a great deal. It's true. All right. On that happy note, let's get into the categories. So as always, speaking of demagogues and dictators, I am both in this awards show. I, I am the final arbiter. I, I get to demagogue reading off the uh, nominees in various categories, and then I get to be a dictator, although you guys make your own choices about who wins the categories. Like I said, this is sort of a combination of the Oscars, the ESPYs, a little bit of Bill Simmons, the rewatchables thrown in. We're going to go through the year, and we're going to start off, as always, with a big category. We, we appoint MVPs on both sides of the aisle, and so we're going to nominate the most valuable player on the Democratic side. Here are your nominees. Uh, Joe Biden, I mean, he is the president, right? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, because look, we might have a soft landing here, people. It's not a bad thing for the Democrats. Tim Walls and Gretchen Whitmer, two Midwest governors who have been kind of quietly killing it. And Donald Trump. As always, he seems to do more to support the existence of the Democratic Party than anyone else. Let's discuss. Namaste, you guys. Mm, namaste, you guys. Well, that's a pretty tough one. I mean, I feel duty-bound to say Joe Biden, even though he pulled out of the New Hampshire primary and tried to destroy the Democratic New Hampshire primary. You say that as if that's a bad thing. Well, I know you think it was inevitable and a good thing and whatever. But, you know, as a loyal sycophant of the New Hampshire Democratic Party, I have to say that's a bad on you, Joe. Although I have joined a write in effort to make sure that Joe appears on the ballot. But I hope that I'm just hoping that Marianne Williamson doesn't walk away with the New Hampshire primary. So I'd like to say Joe Biden. On the other hand, you know, he's just the president. What does that have to do? 
with the price of eggs, as Alicia would say, everything because she'd blame him for the price, the spike in eggs caused by the Asian flu. So I'd like to say Joe Biden, but I'm kind of more interested in the idea that Jerome Powell may have engineered a soft landing uh, as inflation is now coming way down. We can see the price of gas coming down. Interest rates, which peaked, are beginning to come down. And it looks like we're not going to suffer from uh, the kind of recession that people feared. Overall, for all of Joe Biden's accomplishments, what may matter more on Election Day uh, come November 2024 is what Jerome Powell has been doing because if we can if he can through his machinations of the federal reserve create the impression among the perspicacious electorate that the economy is doing well joe biden may very well be reelected so jerome powell it's all on you alicia who's your dem mvp well first let me say i love this soft landing concept the spin is spectacular it's like okay it sucked for American families for the last two years, but it's not going to be a complete depression like we saw in the 1920s. So therefore, yay, it's a victory for the Democrats. I think that's hilarious. My MVP for the Democratic Party, though, is Donald Trump. All you have to do is look at the off-year 2023 elections in November in Virginia, Kentucky, elsewhere, and see that whatever he touches turns to gold for the Democrats. And that was the case in 2022. That was the case in 2020. It was a case in 2018. My party doesn't learn. Hopefully they're starting to learn now for 2024. And I think Donald Trump is the perpetual gift that keeps on giving for the Democrats. I think you're entirely wrong about Jerome Powell. If you talk to any reputable economist, which we do on this show, you would understand that having a soft landing after high inflation, which was not the fault of Joe Biden and the Democrats and was the fault of the recession induced by the pandemic, is kind of a minor miracle. No one thought it could happen. And engineering that is, it is really threading the needle. But I'm kind of with the idea, it can't be Jerome Powell. Like everyone it's thinks the boring. economy sucks. No, it's not that he's boring. It has nothing to do with anything. It's that everyone thinks the economy sucks, no matter how low unemployment goes, how good jobs are, how much growth we get. People think the economy, because we're having a vibe session because people say, and according to Alicia, you can't ever make the argument that, hey, you know, there are many things going well in the economy because if you do, aha, you've fallen into the catch-22 trap of, oh, I hope the Democrats run on that. Anyway, I'm ranting. I, I um, do. I'm going to, again, say to you as yeah, no, this many is your times, please, Democrats, yeah, run no, 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 on no. how great the economy has this been. Is, do this it. is your catch-22. I catch want 22. you to run on that. I, I understand that you are gaslighting us by saying- Tell American families that. You can't ever make a persuasive case that some things are going well. And in fact, the average bank account for Americans is higher than it was before the pandemic. You can't ever give data like that. You can't ever say so because then you go like, ha, who cares about your numbers? This is people feel these things. Therefore, they are right. And if you ever try and argue against it, you're falling into a political trap. Aha. But of course, if you don't, if you don't ever try to make that case, then the only ones making the case are the people on Fox News who and don't have Americans best. In Let's take a break. We'll be right back. And, and Alicia, with gas, with, I'm seeing gas around New England under $3 a gallon. And I'm wondering why the Republicans aren't giving kudos to Democrats for the falling gas prices just 
as they excruciated. Is that the right word? No, Democrats. Go with it. Is that a word at all? It is. It's sort of a word. Um, excruciated. I love it. Excruciated Democrats for the high gas prices. I, I'm just wondering why no credit is given by those of your ilk. Your political you don't give credit to someone for the gas prices coming down after because of Democratic policies they hiked. That that doesn't make sense. Oh, you mean oh, Democratic well, you guys... policies like the Biden administration giving out more oil and gas leases than any administration in history? All right. Anyway, okay. gas segment over. I am going to give my my MVP on the Dem side is Gretchen Whitmer because I'm looking toward the future. She and Tim Walls, I, I said this was sneaky, in Michigan and Minnesota got unified control of their governments due to the 2022 midterms and did stuff with it and passed more legislation than in the six previous sessions of their legislatures combined, passed meaningful bills, made meaningful changes in policy and are both building a resume toward the future. So I'm going to go with Gretchen Whitmer, hope for the future. All right, second category, MVP on the Republican side, your nominees, well, at least these are my nominees. You guys can add Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, Creepy Mike Johnson. He's legally changed his name to that. Kevin McCarthy. We should change his legal name to something else. And Crazy Eyes McForehead, otherwise known as Matt Gates. <laughs> I'll let you McForehead, go first. This is all your collection. This is like, I, I just let off your Christmas list. Who you got? I don't know if I can choose from this list. I think the Republican MVPs are a collective of those st who stood up to the crazy. I think there are courageous ones like Mike Pence, whose presidential campaign may have gone nowhere. But he was very vocal about what is right and what is wrong and coming back to the Republican Party. I think it's a collective that includes Chris Christie, who stood up, who's not going to go anywhere in his presidential race. But he stood up very directly to Donald Trump to speak to the American people and Republicans in particular that this is not OK. Donald Trump and normalizing him is not OK to Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, who did the same long before his endorsement of Nikki Haley. So if I have. From your list, I guess I have to choose Nikki Haley because she is technically making a move on Donald Trump in the Republican primary. But I would see the MVPs of the Republican Party are those that stood up and said, let's not normalize this. It's bad for the country. So you left one person off your list, Matt, and that is our very own analator, Alicia Preston Santopoulos. <laughs> I think I would give her the kudos for this year because she... When I tell my friends about our show, I say she's a Republican of conscience. I don't agree with her on any of her policies, but she's anti-MAGA. She's anti-Trump. She's a traditional New Hampshire type moderate uh, Republican, if such a thing exists anymore, and she ought to win. But that said, because she wasn't nominated and she's not in government, my vote goes to another person not on your list, and that is George Santos, who exemplifies the kind of integrity we expect from today's Republican Party. He, the courageous way that the Republicans kept him in office because they needed his vote, was an example to all of us about how politics really ought to work. George Santos gets my vote. I have a serious question for you guys. And Paul, you're a former prosecutor, so I really like you to weigh in on this. Is attempting to commit a crime actually a crime? Because that's part of Donald Trump's defense for the insurrection, right? What's an attempted insurrection? I mean, this is what Sideshow Bob said on The Simpsons. What is attempted murder anyway, right? And so I want to ask of Alicia especially, like, if Mike Pence tries to make a case for Donald Trump is a criminal evildoer, 
but no one gives a shit in the Republican primary. And Republicans are like, thanks, Mike. We're good over here. Does he get credit for that? Ditto Chris Christie. I mean, can we? I'd like to throw someone out who's not on the list. Mitch McConnell has done a real attempt to get further aid to Ukraine. Now, he's failed miserably. He can't control his own Republican senators, but he's tried. So do people get credit for these kinds of attempts? Yeah, and here's why. I mean, Donald Trump, I don't know if he's going to win the New Hampshire, the primary overall or not. I think there's a chance he might lose New Hampshire, and we'll see what happens from there. But less than 50% of the Republican Party alone supports Donald Trump. Now, let's put that into perspective. He is running as the equivalent of an incumbent. He's the equivalent of an incumbent because he is the past president. What incumbent president ever has 50% support, less than 50% support from his own party? The reason he does is people have come to their senses. They've come to their senses because people like Mike Pence and Chris Christie and Chris Sununu and others have stood out and said, it's okay. I'm giving you cover because I'm out here vocally saying I'm done with Trump too. I'm done with the chaos, as Nikki Haley has noted. So what they've done is they've made it okay to break from the fever. And that is an important first step. And it took a lot of courage. I mean, Mike Pence got death threats. A lot of people got death threats. I've gotten more hate mail in the last five years than any time collectively in my life before. It's I thought you blocked mail from Paul. Well, yeah. I mean, I had, it's curious, though. You should see the funny words he makes up. Yeah. My name is Saul Rhodes, and I think your analysis is terrible. <laughs> but, you know, it, it took a lot of courage for those leaders to come out and vocally say, it's OK, people, you can join me now. And so, no, I do think they get credit for that. All right. Partial credit. And by that logic, I guess attempted murder is really a crime. So there you go. I'm going to I'm going to go off the board. Well, no, I'm going to go on the board here. I'm going to go with creepy Mike Johnson. He put an end to the fight and. The hooting and hollering, and he he got he got some relative peace among the Republicans in the House for like five minutes. And he's definitely the creepiest dude in America who is in an elected office that we know about so far. So I'm going Johnson. All right, Paul, in your honor, we have the Paul. Oh no, we can't do memorial because that means you're dead. We're going to do the it's <laughs> semi memorial. I want to do a semi memorial. Oh, bring out your dead. Bring we'll out call this, your dead. We'll call this the View from the Landing Award in honor of Paul Hodes for a category that you suggested, and one I hope we never have to repeat, Prosecutor of the Year. You wanted to nominate this category, <laughs> and you had three nominees. I can't believe we have to do this, but we have to actually recognize the outstanding performances in prosecution this year, all tied to Donald Trump. Amazing. We have Federal Prosecutor Jack Smith. We have Georgia Prosecutor Fannie Willis, and we have New York. Uh, she's the Attorney General, yes, right? She is. We have Letitia James Correct. in the civil lawsuit against the Trump Organization. Paul, you're the prosecutor here. Who you got for Prosecutor of the Year? I, I okay. In, in all seriousness, I'm thrilled with all three nominees. I'd like to see. I'd it's like an to, honor just to be. It's nominated. an honor just to be nominated. I but when I get when I open the envelope in the end, I think I think it's got to go to Jack Smith. And that's because every time I see a picture of him in his beard, I say, when did they allow federal prosecutors to uh, wear beards like that? But more importantly, the idea that he's going after Donald Trump for January 6th in some form, and it's a very targeted, very specific, very 
I mean, a, a, a real sharpshooter's approach to the prosecution, as opposed to Fannie Willis, who took a shotgun approach to prosecution, which has its own merits. I just really appreciate that Jack Smith is standing up for for us in terms of the January 6th insurrection. So he, he gets it from me. Alicia, if Letitia James goes by Tish, could we go by Lish for you? I just want to workshop that. You know, that's what my roommates called me in college. I was Lish? actually Lish in college. Lish? Lish. Wow. The truth comes Whoa. out. All right. Who you got for prosecution? It, but that's what I want. <laughs> and look, for probably different reasons, because I am not a prosecutor and nor was I ever a lawyer. I'm going Jack Smith because there's something incredibly badass about him. There just is, right? And the other thing I like is he doesn't play the game in the media. I think it's unfortunate that both Letitia James and Fannie Willis do play the game in the media. I mean, Fannie Willis just did an appearance recently with Shaquille O'Neal talking about it. I just don't think this is – that is where these kinds of cases should be going. Letitia James gives comments to the press that, like, are poking the bear of Donald Trump. I don't like it. I, I think the stakes are too high to be playing that game. And then you got Jack Smith, who – we never hear from, we never see about in the media other than reported in a third party. And he's not messing around. There's just, he's going all in at all times for it. And even his move to go to the Supreme Court to try jump the case of the, you know, is he immune? Is Donald Trump immune? It didn't work, but it was gutsy. So there's something there. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I like your argument. I can't include credit for Jack Smith's beard, even though it is okay. kind of outstanding in an odd way, because it uh, it's just not fair to Fani and to Tish, who are unable to grow beards like that. So, for, but not for that reason. I'm going to go Tish James. I can't give credit to Jack Smith and Fani Willis. They haven't achieved a conviction yet. They've brought cases. The cases look meritorious. They've won sort of the Joyce Vance, Barb McQuaid sweepstakes, uh, former guests on this show for MSNBC legal analysis for strong cases, but they have not won jury convictions yet. Tish James has actually won something in court. They've, she's won her case for fraud against the Trump organization. They're just deciding the amount at this point of the penalty. One billion dollars. Well, 250 million is what's on the table. But, you know, I if look, we may have to bring this category back next year. If we do this for 2024, Jack, Fani, you're in the running. But to me, despite what Lish said, it's Tish. All right, <laughs> let's go on to best achievement in legislation. The nominees I have here on a sheet of paper that I'm going to hold up for all of our audio listeners. I'm holding up a blank sheet of paper. We have absolutely nothing accomplished by the Republican-led Congress. This is truly a disastrous NPR summarized. They said, this has been such an unproductive shit show of a Congress that we can summarize everything they did in under a thousand words. That was literally their headline. It was, well, not the shit show part, but it was pretty amazing. I guess because we have to have nominees, I scraped to the bottom of the barrel. There were several notable post office namings. Also, we have Congress formally voted to end the COVID-19 emergency. So that was a piece of legislation. I think we all kind of had decided that de facto. There were various bills that were good bills. They were genuinely good bills for helping service members and expanding benefits for veterans. So uh, let's consider those as a package. And then finally, I gotta say, I think the runaway nominee here is Congress did vote to keep the government open and not to default and go over the fiscal cliff. 
is there anything else I'm missing here? I mean, that's an important vote. Is there anything else that that even comes close? Nah, nothing happened. No, but nothing. I'm not giving credit to Congress for keeping the government right. open any more than I did <laughs> when the Democrats were in charge. I mean, you know, that's kind of their job. So I don't think they get credit for that. But look, it is nice to know that there are things that Congress, as divided as they are right now, can come together on. And when it comes to members of the military and veteran service members, I think it's good that there might be one last place that lawmakers acknowledge their job is not to be partisan and to do something for the people. And if veterans are the people they choose to actually do something for, that's good by me. I guess we can close out this category. It's it's freaking depressing. And you know what's really kind of mind bending about it for me, you know, is like I being a, a former like my career as a congressional staffer mattered to me. Like Paul, your career as a congressman mattered. We worked very hard to make it matter. Like we worked on passing bills. That's sort of the job, right? And you did pass bills and I helped you do that. And I was proud of that. And that was good. And when we did this category last year, we had <laughs> so much to choose from. And if we lived in a sane world, voters would look at the fact that when you had Democrats in charge in Congress and a president of the United States who was a Democrat, we had one of the most productive sessions of Congress in history. And we passed bills that even Republicans liked and supported semiconductor manufacturing and juicing our manufacturing sector overall and roads and bridges and other infrastructure support and all kinds of stuff that even Alicia has said, I like this stuff. This is good stuff. And now we've done nothing. And voters would make decisions based on that, that difference. But no. Well, we don't I don't know this. anything about semiconductors, but let's not forget. We oh, like manufacturing stuff and technology I'm, in the United States. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying I don't know anything. I am. I just don't know anything specifically about semiconductors or what legislation helps them. I just don't know. I'm allowed to not know something. No. We have a divided government. So it kind of doesn't matter what the Republicans in the House pass. The Democrats in the Senate are going to kill it. We do have to remember that reality exists, too. Now, I'm not going to disagree and say, we've got this. No, we don't want them passing what the Republicans in the House pass. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend they're doing a whole lot other than, you know. Trying to figure out who's going to be the speaker. Well, we don't know. They spent a lot of time on that. No, I'm not pretending. They did like, vote on an impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden. So they did that. Right. Right. Namaste, was, you guys. Yeah. Namaste. Namaste, you guys. Namaste. Okay. All right. Boy, the hippies out there, we're going to lose a lot of his, hippie listenership. All right. Let's go to news story of the year. This is one where we have nominees. By no means do you have to order off the menu. Okay. I, I'm just going to throw out. This is from a list compiled by news organizations, and we've taken sort of the worst or the best of the best. So we've got your nominees for news story of the year. The 15 vote standoff as part of the McCarthy saga back in January. We've got McCarthy saga part two, where he got booted out as speaker in October. We've got high interest rates, which led to a lot of economic stories and the possible soft landing. We've got the Chinese spy balloon, three school buses. Did you guys see the SNL skit where they did the whole thing like where Bo and Yang was the spy balloon. And he was like, you're calling me three school buses. That's hurtful. Like, he's so funny. <laughs> he's so talented. <laughs> My gosh. I love that guy. The, this is not a fun one. The war between Israel and Hamas. A much more fun one. The Taylor Swift era's tour slash her becoming person of the year. We just did a video about that on Blue Amp. 
Trump becomes the first former U.S. president indicted of a crime four times. And then finally, we have COVID officially declared no longer a health emergency. Do you guys want to pick one of those to advocate for or do you want to go off the board? Well, I think Trump being indicted is obviously the biggest news story of the year, but we've talked about that to death. And aren't we all bored with that conversation as we've discussed? So I'm going to go Taylor Swift, but not for her tour, for her new boyfriend dating Travis Kelsey and how totally shaken up coverage of any Kansas City Chiefs game. Even when the Patriots were playing them recently, the headlines were not about the Patriots, but about whether Taylor Swift would show up to the Patriots game because they were playing the Chiefs. Can I ask you a question about this? Okay, follow up. Bill Simmons just made the case that Travis Kelsey could be the next movie action star. He's got the Bruce Willis. He's not like a Schwarzenegger body type, but he's... You know, he's definitely a lot more of an athlete than like Steven Seagal. What do you make of that? Like Travis Kelsey, he's got a little bit of, he's got a little bit of. You know what's weird? I've got to add that to the the list. My husband and I were having this discussion the other day about it's time for a new generation of like action stars, right? Arnold's over the hill and the others and Bruce Willis and we need some more. And The Rock was in there for a bit, but now he's doing a bunch of other things like making tequila. So we're the next generation. He wasn't on our list. That's a good one. I'm there. I think the I don't think you've hit the biggest news story of the year. The biggest news story of the year is that the Patriots haven't given up. That Bailey Zappi played the game of his life the other day. The Patriots are almost approaching a thirty-three, you know, point three 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 record, and they didn't give up. The Boston Globe eviscerated the Patriots repeatedly. Because Boston fans are absolutely the worst when it comes to losing. They just no, couldn't. Well, you should have put on. in a period after the word worst. Period. When it comes to losing, they don't like losing so badly that, you know, they were saying Belichick had thrown in the towel. Belichick was tanking on purpose. I mean, it was really, it, it really got nasty there for a while. I couldn't read it. I couldn't bear to read it. But I think the story of the year is that the Patriots may have turned a corner with Bailey Zappi, a fourth pick. Fourth, oh my God. You, know, you realize all of this pick. is getting cut out. No one cares. No one cares. Even, oh, come on. even New England fans don't care. I no care. one in America cares about this. Lish, Lish cares. Everybody 10%, cares about 10% of our audience is international. I assure you that our Norwegian listeners do not care. Oh, yeah. The Patriots and Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. That is the oh big Oh, my story. gosh. Now we've doubly insulted our Norwegian friends. Sorry, Norway. I got to go with I gotta go with Trump. I do think there's, I mean, obviously, if we're looking back on 2023 in 10 years, you know, what stuck with us? I mean, probably the war in Israel is yep. probably going to be it. Probably it. Um, you know, and I think the other shoe is yet to drop on Trump. So that's that's a bad one. But I, you know, I also kind of like your Taylor Swift answer. Like that might be kind of sneakily it. I mean, she's the biggest pop culture star in the world. That's not a that's not a nothing idea. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to break this up into two parts. And so we are going to end part one here. But we've got a lot more boppies still to go. So come back into the feed tomorrow. We will run part two. We will see you.